Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice. And I'm quite excited to do this preview. This is the Educate... No, sorry. EF Education Nippo. Benji, isn't that like saying ATM machine? Isn't it? I thought it was education first. The EF. So isn't it education first, education nippo, or am I missing something here? Yeah, I thought so as well. And the thing was like, I think a few years ago it was also called EF Education First, and I already had like <laughs> what's going on here? Because yeah. you're basically making the name EF EF, and then I look at the website and it's also like EF means education first. Yeah. I think I uh, I don't know. I think you're bottling the name. Yeah, I'm confused by it. Uh, other news from this team before we get into the standard order, which you know you know the rules by now, is 2020 season review transfers, cobbles, Grand Tour teams, Ardennes team in there as well. Maybe some hot takes. We've got a fan hot take as well at the end of this podcast. But before we get to that, um, Benji, the, they brought the kit out, I guess. I'm feeding into what they what they want me to do, which is to talk about the kit. I've got to say I don't like the kit as much as before. I think it's pretty boring. It's just seeing – I know they got the uh, the sort of cursive handwritten stuff on it, but you can't see that from the helicopter. And I really like that. I really like what they had before. So last year's I think was much better. Uh, or do you like this year's kit, which is mainly just plain pink from more than five meters away? I like it like this. I am genuinely a fan of the current kit. I like the contrast between the shorts and the actual jersey. I like the edgy idea, although it probably what, isn't really correct. I, I think I think what they did was to try and like counter the UCI a bit, but I think their plan fails a bit because, well, we know that they did that kit in the Giro. They got fined for that. And they got fined because they didn't put it up early enough or something. Something along those lines, right? They didn't tell the UCI about it or something. They didn't. They withheld, um, they withheld the design element of the kit. Okay, they so they want the sponsor leaking that it was now Alice. For this kit, they're basically saying we made it to comply to the rules, but it wasn't the kit itself that was not complying to the rules. It was the fact that you withheld information about it. So doesn't that defeat the whole point of what the jersey is now being edgy for? No, Benji, that's not how this works. You see, UCI always <laughs> bad. Jonathan Vaught is always right. And yeah, that's what I wanted to mention that because despite their cringe-inducing marketing, which is is so for anyone over about the age of 15 or over with an IQ over 65, <laughs> this team, that sort of masks, in my view, the true narrative of this team, which is easily a top, I thought, a top three or four team last year. Their 2020 season was outrageously good and credit to Volters, I don't know, or whoever is making the signing decisions on that team. And that's why I think their narrative, maybe it's not as marketable, but I would have been like, we are a lower budget team or a mid-budget team and we're competing, getting a lot of wins. Um, And we're developing young talent from Colombia, from Britain, from Canada, from Portugal, from Ecuador, all Australia getting wins there and Italian. It's a completely, you know, very cosmopolitan team. And they got 17 wins last year, Benji. Zero World Tour wins before lockdown. But then after lockdown, they won, let me count, two, four, six, eight, I think. Eight World Tour level wins, which is, that's outrageously good, including the Dauphiné GC overall with Danny, Daniel Felipe Martinez. So, Surely, how how big an over is that the biggest overperformance relative to what we'd expect out of any of the teams we've previewed so far? I think we said that about another team already as well, and I don't remember which team it was. But Lotto. I think when it comes to we have, yeah, yeah, that was Lotto. I think when it comes to we have, we can certainly say that it's an overperformance with what they had on paper. Martinez was not yet at that level at the start of last season. He broke through in Dauphiné, but he also kind of won that race because the others, well kind of crashed out. Roglic would have won that if he didn't crash. We 
I think everybody agrees on that. <laughs> but um, obviously that didn't happen. And he ended up winning the race, deservedly, based on the performances he did in the last two days. And they didn't stop there. Like like you said, six wins in Grand Tour stages. That's that's pretty mad. And they did three of those in La Vuelta. Eventually, Coffee came out in the top three of the Vuelta, which is something I don't think many people would have dared to bet on before La Vuelta started. So he certainly overperformed himself as well. And he showed that he's up there with the better GC riders as well. So, yeah, that's one thing they probably also didn't have in mind at the start of their season. I don't think they knew that Toffee had the legs to do that. And their team still has Uran, still has Higita. Higita had a pretty mediocre season at best, but that's mainly because, well, every time he uh, he was on his bike, he either gets crashed by Ingles by accidentally or he crashed himself into something i recall so yeah in the end he was it wasn't just jungles i think he's got an issue as well because i made a video about it um or maybe i wrote something about it i can't remember back and i was like he i was picking out moments where he was doing weird things even on stage one in nice where people were like avoiding him around corners and he was taking really weird lines around corners um in hairpins so i think that's, that wasn't just an isolated incident with Jungels, uh, as you mentioned. But I think this is more impressive than Lotto Benji because of all the different riders that won World Tour-level races. So obviously they won the Tour Colombia GC. I think they came 1-2-3 on GC with Igita Martinez and Uran. Then I think they won a couple of stages at Bessege. And but I want to talk about these World Tour wins and all the different riders that won. So Martinez, Woods, Caicedo. Ruben Guerrero, Revelation, Mike Woods, Hugh Carthy, and Magnus Court. So that's why it's more impressive to me than Lotto because, yeah, Lotto got Ewan, top two, top three sprinter in the world, cleaning up. That's great. But EF were doing it in a variety of ways, with a variety of different riders. Um, and, yeah, it was really impressive. So full credit to them for, for doing that. And they got Nippo now on as a sponsor. Already we've seen that that's bringing in a different style of rider. And I've got a, hopefully, we'll talk about transfers in a second, but a rider that will come on from Nippo next year. Hopefully, it's a genuine feeder arrangement, that sponsorship. But what do you think was the highlight of their season? I, I think it's I think it's got to be Carthy Vuelta, Benji, because that that not, not only the win and the third, but also it's I think it's ominous, or not ominous for them, but uh, for the rest of cycling, for the future, that I, I think he could be a legit GC contender even in the tour next year, which we'll get into in the hot takes. Uh, but yeah, well, if you were them, what would your highlight be? I think so as well, the Velta. It was a um, a race where Carfi was seen as a potential GC person, but not as a GC favorite at all, and not really as a... I wouldn't have put him on the top five favorites before the race started, personally, so... No. I'm perhaps uh, shooting at myself here, but I wouldn't have noticed that he was potentially getting a podium at the end. Then he really overperformed. The team itself was pretty great at supporting him there. Woods with that stage win as well, but also supportive for Carthy. And just the entire range they were controlling over that potential podium. And towards the end in the time trial, he also performed very well and eventually ended up taking it. So I think that's the best performance you can see in the season of 2024 EF. The Giro stuff is also pretty great, definitely for the sponsors. Like the kit blew up massively and did exactly what they aimed it to be. They aimed it to be some kind of a, a bit of a, a message that they tried to defy the standards. And well, since everybody was posting it, like, whoa, look. So uh, it clearly helped out and it made for some great duck fun. So I'm pretty happy about that as well. Well, getting on to their transfers now, I mean, yeah, great season from them. But what about the wins going out the door, you may say? And I was initially worried about this for them until I looked at how many different riders won in 2020. But out the door, the best cobble rider in the world, Seth Van Mark, going to Israel Startup Nation. I think he, when I say best cobble rider, he's actually probably the quickest on literally the cobbled section, but maybe not the race overall. Tanel Kangart to Team Bike Exchange, Simon Clark to Quebec Assos. Mike Woods, I think I might have said he's a top five pure, like like up a steep, up the Murderhui style, and he keeps improving. Probably top five in the world. Going to ISU, Danny Martinez to Ineos was a bit of a shame to see that. Christopher Halverson's gone back down to pro Conti level, the Norwegian. Uh, I think he lockdown wasn't great for him. 
Um, and then Sean Bennett's gone to Quebec at Assos, the American, and Luis Villalobos, who uh, I think he got caught for doping on his free team, and then that got announced like a, six months, a year later, when he was on EF. That's all been hush hush. Haven't heard a word about it. I follow him on Instagram. He appears to be like day laboring in New Mexico, or, or I think he might even be in the US, uh, which is a bit sad. To be honest, he's like 22. I think he might have a young kid, um, but I guess. It is what it is, and I think we'll never see him in cycling again. But what do you think? Martinez and Woods are the big ones, Benji. They're out the door. They've gone for they've gone for money. Don't blame them. I'd do exactly the same thing myself. If you're Mike Woods, you're what's he? He's thirty. He's like thirty four, Benji. He's actually quite old. So he's uh, thirty four years old. I think Danny Martinez. He's young, but Ineos. I mean. It, if they come with the money again, it's life-changing money probably for him as well, would be for anyone. Do you think they'll actually miss those riders or do you think there's other riders they're bringing through that can replace those wins? I think the riders that are going out are certainly of a higher standard than the ones coming in and I don't think those coming in are necessarily replacing the ones going out in that sense. Let's compare this. You're losing the quality of Unmark. You're losing the quality of Simon Clark, Kangard, Woods, Martinez, like you mentioned. Those are all riders that can ride results at this very moment. Halverson, a bit of a bad season, but I look forward to seeing him at UNOX, genuinely. Yeah. Norwegian sprinter on Norwegian team. Looks like an amazing transfer for the team. And talking about who's coming in for Jeff, we've got Michael Valgren. Now... Felgren, not exactly the best years recently, since he had that year where he won Omelope and Amstel. We haven't seen anything from him since then. So He just broke his I, hand. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, you know, two metatarsals or, or metacarpals, one of the two. The one in two bones in his hand, he just broke, unfortunately, so he's going to have to have surgery. Yeah, so despite that injury, I wouldn't have expected him to do much either way. I, I really... I really don't see much in Val- Valgren anymore at this very moment. Although I hope for him that he finds his form back again of a few years ago. He was good in that year that Astana had budget problems, if I recall correctly. And that really brought Astana forward, looking back at it. So uh, great stuff that he did for them. Yeah, uh, Julien Alfares, uh, I, I basically forgot he still rode his bike. I'm not <laughs> even joking. Like the man rode at Delco for multiple years. He was in World Tour in... 2009, something like that, last year. Yes, 2009, 2000. Uh, yeah, that's the only year he was in actual World Tour. Um, because, like, before 2009, it was called Pro Tour, so technically. Uh, and afterwards, he was in Pro Conti and Conti uh, teams the entire time. Just came back to World Tour. Is that based on his 2020 season? I don't know. I think he's actually he still is pretty connected. Good. <laughs> he's still arguing. I don't he's think still- he's World Tour material. He came ninth in Marseillaise. He's maybe, I, I guess that's, that's, that's not really proving my point. Is <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think it's fine. I mean, he's come from this is one of the Nippo, Nippo signings. So, this is one of four Nippo Delco one for one signings. So, yes, it is acting sort of like a feeder team. Um, I think it's fine. I, I don't think he's getting paid a million euro a year. I think he's probably got a lot of experience and he's, he's not. He's not he's not washed like he's still handy. Marcelles was a decent. It was decently strong. Come top ten there, I think is actually good. I think Beppu, the Japanese rider, and Nakane, um, he's more I think for marketing. To be honest, I don't yeah. really see them as uh, yeah as competing at world tour level either. I think Nakane won last year. Sorry, and, um, I think uh, Nakane won a race last year. Wasn't it Malaysia Lang- or something? Langkawi, yeah. He won a stage in Langkawi. He's 30. Beppu is 37. But again, I think they're in for the sponsors. And um, they've got a lot of experience too. Will Barter's come from CCC. Again, uh, see, I, I asked you that question, Benji, and I didn't answer it myself about whether they're going to miss people going out the door. I don't think they will, really. A, the structure of the team is that they can't pay them. Okay, so... It, EF Education First can't overpay guys. Education Nippo, that that's the prop. They need to pay guys before they're good, before they're good, um, and get their salary locked in for a, a two years or three years, 
and then try and get the performance while they're paying him less less than what they're worth. So they can't pay Woods a million euro a year, 800K a year. They can't pay Martinez, uh, you know, the same, 750 a million a year, which they're probably that at least, like GC winner Dauphiné and, uh, you know, one of the best punchers in the world. That seems to be the region they're in. I mean, he or she's like a mil euro, I think, so it's going to be around there, maybe a little bit less. So they have, they can't afford to do that because what if Woods falls off a cliff? He's thirty-four years old, and he's no good. <laughs> That's in a very years. sudden thing. <laughs> no, but well, no, like he's. What happens if in if they, he wants a three-year deal? Um, yeah, you see this in basketball all the time. It happened. He's on a three-year deal at Israel Startup Nation. When he's thirty-six, he may not be. If you're paying him a million, Benji, at thirty-six, if he loses just three percent, five percent, he's not competitive at Liège or Flesh anymore. Uh, and I know he came to the sport late, etc. Martinez is a bit different, but the point is they need to pay. They need to just keep doing what they've been doing to get wins, and they've committed to that. And I've got to give them full credit for it. Van Mark as well. He's not really bringing many wins to the table year in year out. Yes, he's competitive for top fives in the big Belgian races, but he's only won eight races in his career. Uh, he's thirty-two. He's not that old, but you know he's. He's won one World Tour race. It was Britannia Classic, so who really cares about that? Um, and Omloop, I guess, it, it wasn't World Tour when he went in 2012. Whereas they brought in someone like Simon Carr, Benji. Charlie, my mate Charlie Carbon Cycling on YouTube, he did a video or an interview with him ages ago. This kid is fucking good. He is British, turned French. I was listening to the French commentary of uh, Marseillaise, and they were, they were saying they are like, is he, is he Simon Carr or is he Simon Carr? I was like, what are they talking about? And the reason <laughs> I'm saying that is because he's French English. So he born in Harrisford in English, in England, uh, Hereford rather, and he grew up in the Pyrenees. So he's bilingual. That was why he's also on Nippo Delco Provence, come over to EF Education first. Last year he came, I think he did the – yeah, he did the he did the Volta of Portugal and he came fourth on a stage and uh, at 21 years old, 22 years old, that's pretty good. He then won a one-day Spanish race, which I watched. That was quite a competitive field too. And then he was very, very aggressive uh, and one of the strongest riders in Grand Prix Cyclist La Marseillaise. He shut down Tim Wellens easily. Then he attacked again multiple times. Um, so I think I think he's quality. I think he's really really good, and I think he might win a Grand Tour stage uh, later this year if they take him to the Vuelta. But that that's a long rant from me about why I completely agree with what their strategy is, is has been, and I think it's the right thing to do. But what about some other signing? You think Will Barters he fits in that mold, Benji? Probably not getting paid too much from the folding or the sold CCC team, but he, he's got a lot of upside, right? Yeah, and it's also I think it's also semi semi-sponsory because American and education first but yep. all in all a great signing he was second in the time trial on less than a second or something yep. in La Vuelta just after Roglic so um, certainly has the time trial capabilities to my knowledge he can also climb a tiny bit so on paper he should be able to improve on that as well and perhaps even compete in breakaways and stuff like that he's not going to be a GC guy or anything it's going to be domestique or breakaway rider with a focus on time trials is what I expect from him. I think the other signing that interests me the most, because, well, I've been following this rider accidentally for a year now, is Diego Andres Camargo. Last year during the Tour of Colombia, uh, so the first Colombian race in the season, they were um, they were having that EF party with one, two, three you spoke about earlier, uh, with Martinez, with uh, Caicedo, I don't remember, Uran and whatever. And he was one of the riders that I think ended in the top 10 of that Tour of Colombia and was there on one of the more important mountain stages when he was still riding for Colombia Tierra de Atletas. And at the end of the season, he actually started winning uh, the Vuelta Colombia, which is Spanish for Tour of Colombia. So hella confusing, but in the end, he, um, he ended up taking the overall victory there. I don't think race. that's the UCI register rate. Yeah. It's two different races for anyone at home. The one Higuita one's different to the one Camargo one. Yes. And um, the one Camargo one, well, eventually just put him on the map because there was no other cycling at that very moment. So everybody was super hyped about any cycling in, I think, in November. And yeah, that's how EF probably noticed him as well. And 
that's how he has arrived at their doorstep. I'm looking forward to see what he can do for the team. I don't know how talented he is necessarily compared to a Higita. He's 22 right now. It's at an age where you can grow. It's not really at an age where you're like super young. So you can't like, you're not 20 or 19 like a Pogacar when they first entered World Tour. I think 20 was when Pogacar entered World Tour. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a different situation, but I do believe he can be valuable for the team, certainly. If not for himself, for someone else in the, in the climbing and the last one is uh, Daniel Aroyave. Now, I know that he's U23 Colombian road race champion. I don't know how good the competition is there, so I can't tell you whether that's good or bad. <laughs> yeah, but he looks like uh, another small Colombian pure climber with a little bit of punch. Obviously got some talent. Love that signing too. They've made it work for a lot of their riders from Colombia, so and South America, rather, even Kaitheta. So that's, I'm pretty, I think they're great signings from EF. And I think, yeah, they've restocked the ammo really well, despite having to let riders go that they couldn't afford to pay. Now, next, they have 22 of their 30 riders on the roster out of contract at the end of this year. So that's correct. I think there's going to be an even bigger pinch in that sense, because Carthy, Betiol, Guerrero and a lot of the talented guys are out of contract and they will be wanting to get paid their market value. And I think it might even be become more difficult to compete at a high level again in 2022. But this year, I think they're going to be really good. So let's pick Benji, their cobbled team. Um, probably now the weakest part of their team, I would say, uh, their cobbled team. And even though they've got, they've got Betty old, but yeah, who would you have as their, their captain and maybe distinguish between distinguish between Kent Vavelchem or Le Samin and maybe Paris-Roubaix, etc. I think it's um I think it's much more difficult this year compared to last year because otherwise you would have said, Oh cobbles for the market. That's not the case anymore. The race is like Ronde van Vlaanderen and just yeah, just to our Flanders in general, those kind of races, E3, those races would see Betiol as leader in my honest opinion. I think he can have a strong team surrounding him, actually, like Langeveld. Also, Kirkler is not written off yet. And, um, well, Valgren as well, if his hand is fixed by then. I would Bissiger. also look at Magnus Scott Nilsson. Bissiger, certainly, yes. Almost forgot about him. And I think that's roughly the list. Julius von den Berg, perhaps, as a filler for the team. I take it back. It's not a weak. It's not a weak part. It's, it's wrong to characterize it as weak. Yeah, you're right, Benji. That's pretty strong. Um, I guess Morena Hoffland. He's not shown anything for quite a while after bursting onto the yeah. scene. Um, he's he's 29. Whether they, yeah, whether he's able to go. I mean, he came. It's crazy, isn't it? He came. Jonas at Ruch. Yeah, Jonas Ruch. That's a good shout. But yeah, I think I think it's quite a good squad. The thing is, Benji. You know. Betiol's won two races in his career, one of them the Tour of, Fl- Tour of Flanders, <laughs> one of them the stage at Bessege last year. Do you think he's legit or do you think it was a fluke? Do you think he's like still a really good rider but still like not even as good as, say, Pedersen or Lampard? I think Betiol is not as good as Pedersen, but I do think he's a good rider. He's just always in a situation where one of the people that he's with is better than him. Like the E3 last year, or two years ago, don't even know anymore. Uh, a certain E3 in the last two years, he was in a group with, I think, Van Avema, Oliver and Angel Bear, something like that, Stibar perhaps. A few of those riders, and there was one person better than him that year. And I think every Three single people. situation that I see himself in... Okay, so, he, so that's the problem. Yeah, you're, so you're saying, you're saying his, sprint, his sprint is the issues. It's not a bad sprint, but the problem is that the people that he's with usually have a tiny bit more in sprint, and that's where the issue lies. Like he can out sprint about fifty percent of the cobblers out there, but the best cobblers right now can also sprint. Fanat, yeah. Vanderpool. If he comes into a group with them, it's going to be likely the other one that makes it. Edison. That you know, exactly. and back then it was Van Avermaet. So I guess the way he won Flanders is how he has to win races. Um, I think he's legit. I think he's, yep. yeah, I think he's really good. He's 27 years old. He's not, he's in his peak. He's in his prime right now. Um, but he just, 
yeah, I think he's probably as good as good as maybe Alaphilippe at sprinting, maybe even not as good as him. And that's the problem. He's always going to have to try and break away to win. We saw that, at, uh, I think, Hen Vavelhem last year as well, where he was – that's what cemented to me that he is – he is legit because that was a very, very strong field. And, yeah, I think he even got gapped in the sprint by Pettis and Seneschal and Trentin. So that's a problem for him. Same problem that Stefan Kung has. Um, but he is he's fantastic. But I think he needs to rely on his teammates a lot to get to get wins. And that's why I think someone like Stefan Bissiger is going to be massive for them in the cobbles. Do you, I think for them to win say, or podium a couple of the big World Tour cobble races, he needs to really show another level this year. Do you think he can, Benji Bissiger? I mean, people were saying he'd do well at Marseillaise. I didn't see that. That's not the sort of rider I see as him at all. I see him as a uh, as exactly like Seneschal or uh, his upside would be trying to be like Mads Pedersen, to be honest, as a sub-six-foot, bigger, bigger, stronger guy with a kick. Um, but yeah, do you think Bissiger can improve to actually be in the the group of ten or thirteen with three other quick steppers in at the end of in the last thirty k's of Omloop or something like that? I actually find him extremely difficult to profile because Bissiger we saw in I think Hendrewelhem or something. I don't remember which race it was. We saw him at a certain race last year. It wasn't Hendrewelhem. Bing Bang, yeah, I think in, in the first few stages that he was showing strength in, in sprinty stages and ones with tiny cobble sections, but the moment it started having more cobble sections, he started getting in trouble. A skill that he has that is a bit underrated at the moment is his time trial, third in the time trial at Bing Bang, also third in the Swiss National Championships time trial. Obviously in Switzerland, there's not like 20 people that can time trial, but he um he got very close to beating Kung at that Bing Bang Tour one. So yeah, certainly the shorter time trials fit in his uh in his thing, prologues perhaps mainly. So I see him I see him as a rider that could do well in the likes of Hint Wevelham and such. I don't know what his skill is going to be in like a full proper cobble race. And that's where my doubts lie relying him because a lot of people are like shouting at him for many races right now. He's a very hyped rider and I can see why he's hyped. I can see why people would enjoy seeing someone like that ride, but I'm also just a bit in doubt about him. We also saw him into the laughing, the third stage, the first stage, sorry, at the Bajoli one. So a hilly punchy finish. That's not necessarily a super punchy finish. So I think he can do quite a lot. But he's not very consistent at it so far. I mean, it, it, the climbing's the issue. I mean, no offense to him, but if you couldn't stay in the in a reduced group uh, at the GP Marseillais a few days ago over that climb, then your climbing is not that good because that was a headwind climb. Their group did it really slowly, and there were a lot of you know he, he he's not as good at climbing as Brian Cockard, it seems, or. Uh, Cyril Bath or Gapio. So the climbing seems to be an issue. And that climb for reference was seven, no, no, sorry, 3.8 Ks at 7.9%. Trentin got over it, no worries at all. And it was a big headwind on it. So drafting helped a lot. Um, so the climbing seems to be the issue. And I think he's going to have trouble in, as you said, Benji Flanders, etc. But on the flatter ones, I think it can still help a little bit for Betiol. They need multiple options so that Betiol is not always attacking on his own. So you think, do you reckon that's a, a, would you say it's a top five cobbled team, Benji, or no, they're not, you wouldn't have them as favourite or for podium favourites for any of those races? I wouldn't have them as podium favourites, but I do think they've got a solid squad in general. So they've all got riders that can top 10 cobbled races, but they need to be in a very, very specific situation to come out on top. And I think that's going to be really, really troublesome. And I think last year they were one of the best cobble teams as a block with Betty Olwood van Marke and just that whole squad like that. Because, yeah, that's also how van Marke was able to position Betty Olwood in that Tour of Flanders two years ago. So I think that they've got a solid team, but I wouldn't put them up there with the Koenig at all. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised if they got a few podiums or even a sneaky win along the way, but probably unlikely for the on the win side. Now to the Ardennes squad. 
And this is this is an interesting, Benji. You got Kukulera, who was good at Mitchelton, I think, in the Ardennes as a domestique. Again, useful rider, maybe not as useful anymore. Craddock, I actually think Craddock, Benji, is a bit underrated, especially in like a really wet, hard, disgusting race. For a guy with zero wins at 28 years old, still he he showed in that World Champs at Yorkshire that he's got something. Um, oh, no, that was in the ITT, sorry. For some reason, I thought he'd done really well in a road race in the World Champs as well. Um, but he, yeah, I feel like if they have a really rainy day, he could also be useful too. But anyway, that's a sidetrack. There are Dens, I think they've got to send Simon Carr. They they haven't sent Igita, I think, in the last two years or so. But on paper, he would be really, really good at Liège. Um but yeah, who do you think their Arden leader is going to be that now that the the big dog Mike Woods is gone? Bit of a gap. I think Uran is going to be up there as one of their leaders at least. And he got 15 last year, I think, in Liège. I think Uran fits for the top of race Liège's. Uran was also a um, key person in Flesh last year. He was the rider that was chasing Mauri van Sevenant when van Sevenant uh, decided to ride into a ditch. So... Eventually, he was at the head of the race at a certain point in the last 10 kilometers, so you can't be too bad. Obviously, Flesh Wallon is decided mainly on the last climb, so it was a bit of a stretch to try and attack before that. But it shows that he's motivated to do well in those races, and I think that if the situation is right, he can get a good result in a, the likes of a uh, of a Liège, for example. I don't think he's got the skills to win it at the moment, but I recall very good results in LBL at least once or twice in his career, I think 20... 17 or something like that 21st there so he seems to be always surrounding a a top 20 in that race and yeah somehow i i recalled a a podium there but i think we're speaking about ardennes right now but i'd like to point it also at the italian classics kind of i think he's really good at those and those are also kind of their ardennes team that's likely going to go towards that as well so an Lombardia, milano torino a giro Emilia. I think he's podiumed all three of those in his past. And I think that shows that he's good on yeah, punchy terrain, not necessarily being the puncher on the terrain, but more the uh, the somewhat earlier attacker, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Simon Carr, yeah. like you said, also part of that team. I dare to send Higita to it in one of the next years. I don't know if that's this year or the coming years. On paper, he would fit that. And... I, would, I would have him as their leader. I don't agree about it. I think... Going with Uran is just like a zero. Like he's not winning. He's not going to win. He can't. So why not send the young Colombian sensation, the little monster Igita, who actually could win if he if he I don't know sorts out his handling or etc. I mean he has a nasty kick, Benji, on the flat. Yep. He he's got a legit sprint. He beat I think he beat Valverde in like 2018 or something. In a flat yep. sprint, it reduced bunch is when Valverde was like the year he won world he's, champs. He, he is. I, I don't think. I don't think Igita's suited for. He, he's not a GC guy. He's not a Grand Tour GC guy, and I don't think he ever will be. Like I don't know about his TT, but I assume it's trash. Um, I so, assume it as well. I mean, that's just my default assumption. Not through his fault. I mean, he's like 55 kilos. Like He's like 166 centimeters. Like, of course, he's not going to be as good as um, Pogacar and Roglic at the TT or even Carthy at the TT or Carapaz probably either. But he's got a nasty sprint. And, yeah, I just think he's going to make mistakes in the Grand Tours. So I don't, I'm not sure what their plan is for him. You know, third on GC at Paranese, second GC Tour of California. Those are one-week races. So I think they should, yeah, target one-week races with no TT and send him to the Ardennes and have him as their leader. Oh, he did a TT at Paranese, sorry. Um, I should actually refer to real numbers. He lost 46 seconds in a 15K TT to Cry Anderson and 40 seconds to Sharkman, etc. So yeah, it's about it's Quintana. He, he's about as good as Quintana at TT, I'd say. Yeah. So. It's going to be an issue for Grand Tours, especially in the current crop. But I, do you do you not think he can be up there, Benji? Why couldn't he win a win, win be competitive in Liège in a reduced bunch kick? Um, I think he's more fitting towards a Amstel than 
I think a few years ago, there was that situation in which you had Vanderpool, but the year before that, I think there was one year that Pogacar wrote, wrote Amstel. And I think he wrote that in a similar fashion that just staying in the group and eventually just having a kick in the group he was in. And I rate Pogacar as punch almost equally to the punch of Higita if it comes down to a sprint in a final, uh, in an introduced group. So I think he do something similar there. And because of that, I agree that he could be well in those races. He just hasn't shown it yet. And every time he's in a race as leader, he tends to disappoint the last two years. And I hope that switches around. Hope he finds a place to like show his strength. And I hope he can push forward and show Europe what he did in the Tour of Colombia, for example. Because that was a race where he significantly just won, basically, against climbers that are on paper better than him in the rest of the season. I think another rider who's he's smack bang on that team sheet for Liège, etc., has got to be Ruben Guerrero. I think he fits it really well, uh, whether it's as an attacking option or not. I mean, he's not had great results there, but he seemed to take a definite step up in 2020, and he was very, very strong at the Giro. So I'd have him in that team as well. And Uran Igita, Guerrero, Puglera, Howes maybe, Craddock, Car, I think that's a lot of nice options. Um, so I think it's quite a nice team. But again, just like the Cobbled team, in none of those races are any of them going to be top three favorites to actually win the race or even a top five um, in the odds to win the race. But they, if you're competitive in all those races, you might eventually pull one off, especially if you throw enough darts at the board. Um, so they got genuine options, but... Like, do you think do you think Guerrero could could go well, or am I missing something, Benji? Is he just uh, is he not? Because Simon Clark was low key good. Simon Clark second in Amstel twenty nineteen. Do you think he's not that style of rider at all? I think he would fit that. He was uh, showing very proper strength in. I think it was Pluway on the hills. He tried to attack multiple times, and the team clearly surrounded him to do that for him. So. He was planning to do that, and he planned to do that on those hills. So I believe that he can perform well in those races. But a question I want to point out at you is, you've got Valgren. He was a winner of Amstel in the past. Why are we not naming him to be in that team? Is it because we feel he's washed? Uh, I guess because he broke his hand. So I don't know how the surgery will go. But yeah, I've seen... I've not really seen anything from Balgren to suggest he'd be competitive in those races, to be honest. I mean, except for the weird 11th in the World Champs road race. That's such a weird <laughs> Like, what the hell? At Imola, that was a nasty course. And he came, he beat Woods. He was in the Sharkman Valverde Matthews group. It's just... So there's yeah. obviously still something there. Um, and that yeah, that course was really really hard so maybe if he comes back from it and he's he's back to a semblance of his previous level he should be in the team um but we just haven't seen it yet i guess if, if he does recover from the hand surgery he should be they should put him in the team uh because it's not like there's yep. seven eight other names who deserve to be on there maybe only two or three that are clearly better than him but now onto their uh teams for the Grand Tours, Giro, Benji. The Giro parkour just got semi-announced. I mean, Jesus Christ. RCS have pushed it back fucking like a week. Every time, it's it's like the worst yeah. nightmare of me of living in Italy. Like, oh, we're going to announce it today? Actually, then the day before, they're like, we're announcing it next week. <laughs> like, guys, I just announce it. I don't – so people can figure out where they're going. Uh, but anyway, one short ITT at the start, like a prologue length, and then Milan TT will be – not too long, I don't think. 15 to 20 Ks. Nowhere near the TTKs of the Tour de France. Probably more longer climbs, harder, harder stages, more mountain stages. Um, so who are you sending, Benji? Are you going stage hunting, just like last year? I would. Um, I would do so because I do believe that Garfi's time trial in the Velta is good enough to sign him up for the Tour de France as their leader there. Um, I am pretty sure they already mentioned that Garfi is indeed doing that. Just wanted to add that on there. And I think they said that Iran would be doing La Vuelta, of which I I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea because, well, 
Uh, the Vuelta still has that extra Colombian hype about it. And Ron is the most popular Colombian cyclist in the world, in Colombia. So um, that's nah, something that a lot of people... Do. No, it's not. Are you sure? Most followers, Rigoberto Ron, by far. I know, I know he's got the most followers, but I don't think that means he's the most popular. Uh, I think so as well. Uh, I, I think he... I, I mean, I mean, I think the opposite. That's what I meant. <laughs> I think that uh, he's actually genuinely so popular up there, down there. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> when it comes to the Giro team, I would indeed do exactly like you say. Put a team on, on the table that specifies on trying to get stage wins in a similar fashion that Guerrero did last year. Whether it means Guerrero is in that team, mm, I dare to give him an opportunity to try the Tour de France for the first time because he's done the Giro while he would likely be able to try and win a stage in at Giro. I also think he can try and win a stage in the Tour de France. Now, if you put Coffee in the Tour de France, you've got to build a team surrounding him. Are you going to use the likes of Guerrero for that? I'm not sure. Higita is going to the Tour de France, to my knowledge. Do I think that's a good idea? I think that... Hmm. Would have been nice to see Higita try a GC in the Giro, perhaps. Yeah, I don't I don't really see the Tour fitting Higita that well, to be honest. Yeah, same. The Vuelta fits him like best when it comes to parkour, but... Yeah, he's, he's apparently signed up for the Tour de France, which I'm not 100% totally a fan of, to be honest. And why not avoid Wafanat and Alaphilippe? Because if he gets into any reduced group, yeah. if, if he's able to get there, then they will be too, and that just reduces your chances of winning, whereas Vuelta, Gira, I think suits him a lot better. they got to send people to help Carthy because I think Carthy's a genuine GC threat. I think, Camar- again, Camargo's so young. Probably send him to the Giro. You got Caicedo. Guerrero has to go tour to help Carthy. I'm very surprised they're not taking Uran, an experienced head, to support Carthy either. Um, Will Barta, I think, for the tour is a must because just to yep. see how he goes to the TTs and see how he can go. He broke his leg, I think, in December, but he seems to be recovering okay. His second leg break of his career was like a slow speed crash, um, but he seems to be recovering okay. Who else? Alex Howes, maybe for the tour. They've got to take some Americans, I guess, for the tour as well. TJ, can TJ dial it up? Um, probably not. Does Betiol, do they send him to any of the Grand Tours, Benji? I mean, he's done three tours, one Giro. Last year he did the he did the Tour de France and didn't come. He got one top ten in Nice on stage two. I think that he can't go to the Giro because of the – the uh, proximity to the Cobble Classics and maybe some of the Ardennes he might do. But, yeah, do you think they take him and just send him stage hunting? I think they should. I think it would fit. Um, yeah, I think that it's worth trying that. Um, the problem is that you obviously have, if you go to the Tour de France with Garfi and that's like what we're pushing forward, then you can't focus on getting stage wins in a race like that. I think and they will. Send I yeah. think that, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to do the thing. I don't, they're not going to just put all their eggs in one basket, which is smart. Are they going to do something like the Velta? Like yeah, with Woods that he's allowed to. They didn't take Uran because I think they should have just given him Uran and say, Rigoberto, you, you, never, win, you never win anyway. So just, <laughs> just help Carthy and. Um, and maybe one, yeah, a couple of engines, and then let Guerrero and Guerrero hunt stages, and then on on certain mountain stages, rein him in to help Carthy if he's still up there later in the third week. Um, but yeah, and Betty Olsen to hunt stages. Same with Barta. So I would have done a mixed a mixed strategy because honestly, like he doesn't need a full train. You can have UAE TJV there as well. Yep, I think that Betty Ol in the Giro would be fun with that. That rumored Montalcino stage, the one with the sandy stuff like Strada Bianche. So in a stage like that, I really think he could be performing well. And I think that he'd like that as well in his own country, you know? Yeah. So Vuelta, I think they should send Igita again. Obviously, around they've already said he's going. And then who knows who else? Maybe Camargo seems like a, a great place to send Diego Camargo. I think Caicedo should go to the Giro again. Sorry, forgot to mention the Ecuadorian. But yeah, I think the Vuelta squad will be really fun. 
maybe Arroyave as well. So um, the Ecuadorian, couple of Colombians, four Colombians maybe, just send a full South American squad and maybe Simon Carr too might be a nice, his first grand tour. So I'd love to see them send that young squad and just have fun and hunt stages in the in the welter. And Uran can look after himself and likes doing that anyway uh, on GC if that's what he's going for. So I think, again, quite a nice team. And I think there's a lot of lot of wins there for them, particularly maybe Grand Tour stage hunting. Um, they so they won 17 last year. In 2019, they won 17 in the full season, <laughs> and nowhere near as many World Tour wins or Grand Tour wins. And then 2018, they won six with two World Tour wins, one from Clark and one from Woods. I'm putting the over under at 15 wins, Benji. Do you think EF are going to get more or less than 15? I think they're going to get less. I think they're going to get 13. And the reason that I'm thinking that is that I somewhat disagree with you on the start we had of this podcast. The fact that the transfers going out are, in my eyes, very much more wealth than the ones coming in for potential stage wins. Does that mean that these transfers coming in are bad? No. These transfers coming in are more of a long-term plan. You've got the Simon Carr, you've got the Camargo, you've got the Arroyave and so forth. So those are riders that are likely going to grow out to something better in the future. And perhaps in two years, they will be on that level to try and win a stage win here and there. Carr is kind of already, like you mentioned. But I think that we can't really look past the, uh, the leaving of Michael Woods and such. Those are riders that are basically hands down a stage win in a Grand Tour if you play him correctly so i think they lose quality there for this season yeah i think they'll win less than 15 too but i think they'll have some quality wins in there wouldn't surprise me if they had another four or five grand tour stage wins but again i don't think i mean there's no tour columbia this year there might be less races more cancellations They've lost Woods, so that's a couple of wins. And Martinez, that's three wins that's gone out the door. Maybe they only bring back two of those five, so they're down three. So, yeah, I think probably about – I'd expect them to win 12 to 13 races, and but I expect them to be quality. So that's – yeah, I think still, though, that's still a lot of wins, 12 or 13 wins, of which maybe half or five are World Tour wins or three or four are Grand Tour stage wins one maybe at the tour that's really good and i think their sponsors would be happy with that and they've got a good feeder system going so yeah i'm pretty optimistic for ef now if everything clicks if simon carr is legit in the welter if camargo is really good if Gita it comes back to where we thought he'd progressed to after the 2019 welter and maybe Hugh Carthy, which I'm about to get into the hot takes is as good as i think he is it could be an even better season than that but do you think Benji will have a grand tour podium at any point this year on GC? No. I think they're going to um, top five a grand tour. I don't believe in the podium. I think there's so much quality at the Tour de France that Carfi will have trouble getting a podium. Pogacev Welter too. So, yeah, it's hard. But let's get into the hot takes right now. We've got an EF fan submission for the hot takes. Uh, as usual, hope you enjoy this one. Um, and I'm, I think I'm going to be bringing in uh, an even spicier hot take straight afterwards. My name is Joe and I run the Twitter account Ride Cycling News. So without further ado, let's get into my predictions. After a solid performance at the season opener at the Grand Prix Marseille, I predict that Simon Carr will be one of the breakout riders um, of the season. And I can see him getting some decent results at um, some certain one-day races. Um, as well as a Grand Tour stage if he is selected in a squad uh, for this season. Now that I've got uh, my British bias out of the way, Alberto Betiol had uh, only one win in 2020 at the Etoile de Passage. However, this year I'm predicting him to get his second monument win at Milan-San Remo with an attack on the Poggio to win Il Classicissima on the Via Roma. In total then, I reckon that EF will get six Grand Tour stage wins this year with Ruben Guerrero, Simon Carr, Hugh Carthy, and Michael Valgren, as well as Sergio Higuita, getting the wins in the Grand Tours. Thanks for the hot take submission. As usual, here's my hot take, Benji. Hugh Carthy, podium, Tour de France is lock. That is a lock. He's going to podium the Tour de France. 
and I think Igita is going to win three Grand Tour stage wins. So they're my hot takes. Okay. Let's look at who we've got at the Tour de France. We've got Pogacar. <laughs> we've got Roglic. Called a hot take. That's, what I, that's two people. There's three spots on the podium. Do your maths. Two plus two is four. <laughs> Do you think that Ineos will not be on the podium of the Tour de France then? Who are, who are Ineos sending? Gagan Hart? Not as good as Carthy. Not even close. I think their, um, their team was announced like Aaron. literally... Literally like 10 minutes ago. So Th- Thomas Gates, um, Carapaz, right? Yeah, Port, De Plus, Castroviejo, Kwiatkowski, Dennis, and Rowe. That's just, that's the pre-selection. Right, well, Carthy's better than all of them except Carapaz. So... Uh, well, that's a body. Yeah. <laughs> Carapaz. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> We're in January now. A lot can happen. Or February now. A lot can yeah. happen. One guy crashes. That's why it's a hot take. I mean, I think he's going to be better than coffee. Pardon? Ford's better than coffee. Is he though? I mean, he's not riding for GC. I I think Porsche for the France 2020 was better than the Vuelta of Garfi. Yeah. Listen, I don't know why I'm getting so much pushback on my flaming hot take. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If it was rational... I just think Carly's really good. I think his TT was really good in the Vuelta. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's really good. And I think, yeah, he's a, a, a podium shot for the Tour of France. I think he's got a lot of mongrel in him, likes to attack, be aggressive. Um, is it likely he podiums? No, but I think he will. So then Gita, <laughs> okay, I think he's going to come back and win, I think I said, three Grand Tour stages. But what's your hot take, Benji? See if I can pick it apart. Camargo is going to win a World Tour stage. Oh, see, I mean... Oh, what? So the young Colombian <laughs> fleet final sprint is capable of winning a world tour stage. No, I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> yeah, the reason I'm doing it is because, well, um, I don't know. I'm kind of slightly biased towards Camargo, I guess. I um, I believe in him, and that's purely based on hope. <laughs> not on anything factual. I think, uh, what about, I mean, how many times will... Jonathan Vorters complain about the UCI over under. We've got five on Twitter. I'm going with the over snarky tweets count. Where are you taking the over or the under? Over, of course, like 69 okay. or something. Okay. Like, not five. <laughs> That's way too low. All right. <laughs> Every and single stage. I think we've now reached the end of the year education depot preview. Um, I think they've got a lot to look forward to. I think if you're a fan of this team, you've got a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of different riders and a lot of different options that can progress, improve, and even if they maintain their level, be very exciting and competitive in pretty much every sort of race throughout the year, even in GC as well. Um, I think, yeah, riders to watch, as we said, Simon Carr, Camargo as the youngsters coming through. Bissiger, can he improve? Betiol, is he going to have more help on the cobbles? And Carthy, can he kick on from that Vuelta podium last year? I think he can, but Benji's counting him out at his peril. Thanks for listening, as always. Give us a review on your podcast player of choice if you can, or like the YouTube video if that's where you're listening. And we'll see you in the next one. Ciao.